Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by my co-hosts plus a guest. Welcome back to the show, friend of the show, Mark Bramhill. Hi, good to be here. Mark is a uh, radio producer and podcaster. Uh, we've had him on the show to talk about the Apple. Oh, this week's episode is about the Apple Design Awards, uh, Apple Design Awards 2018. We've had Mark on the show to talk about Apple Design Awards before. Uh, so thank you for coming back on the show. Mark has a terrific podcast called Welcome to Macintosh that we're all big fans of. You may also have heard him on. Uh, his work has been on other shows as well, like 99% Invisible. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Yeah. I am also joined by my co-hosts, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing excellent. And my bro host, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? Ah, no complaints. It's been a uh, beautiful Sunday. Yeah. And uh, we're recording this not long after the conclusion of uh, WWDC 2018. So uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you're probably already familiar with the Apple Design Awards, or if you're an Apple nerd or, or an iOS gamer, you may have, uh, be familiar with them as well. Uh, but uh, we are talking about the Apple Design Awards for this year, which were awarded at this year's uh, WWDC. We should say that is the Worldwide Developers Conference. Yes. Macintosh. The Apple Design Awards is basically Apple's chance to say, hi, look at these people who did great games that use the shiny new tech that we have this year or some other reason why they really want to say, you know, other developers be like these people. It's not necessarily the best games of this year. Usually they're pretty, um, but often there's something going on beneath the hood that showcases a technology, a platform, a style, a control, something Apple wants to say, you know, emulate this guys keep doing this kind of thing. Uh, we've done them since 2014. Apple is also a company with a huge um, kind of investment in just sort of design in general. And so they tend to choose games that have a, and it is a design award. It's not a game design award. It's, it's just a app design award. There are um, the majority of the things that, that win, the apps that win are not games. They are productivity apps or, uh, you know, tools for mobile devices and things like that. And so this games category uh, is really there, I think, to just, as you say, Laura, to highlight games that are making use of some of the you know, cutting edge technology that Apple has, but also examples of really good design uh, and really good accessible design that you know, the mm. general developer community would celebrate and that uh, the Apple community will celebrate. Yeah, minimally, it has to be polished. Like they might not have anything else in common, but the, you know, I mentioned it's not the best game. Often the best games can be very experimental and weird, and they might have little hiccups. These are going to be smooth experiences. Uh, whether or not you enjoy them is up to taste, but they will be very well put together um, under the hood and on the surface as well. The kind of games that might make a businessman working at Apple say, hmm, that's a good game. <laughs> I mean, they're often the showstopper games, too. Like, they're the ones that when you go to the Apple store, they're on the phone so that you can play with them. And you're like, ah, yes. Like, this looks good. I should buy this device. Exactly. <laughs> that is the kind of thing Apple's going for. So before we dive into talking about the specific games, and we're probably not going to talk about the non-game winners of the Apple Design Awards. Mostly, I mean, they're kind of interesting. Uh, you know, one of the things that won this year is an app that lets you take a photo of uh, surgical sponges in an operating room and will estimate for you the volume of blood loss of the patient. 
So interesting stuff like that, but stuff that probably isn't that interesting from a video game perspective. Uh, although it's actually that would be... super interesting. How do they do that with with machine learning? <laughs> of course, <laughs> uh, but this we're not probably going to be talking about the non uh, non game winners this year. We're just going to stick to talking about the games. Before we do dive into talking about those games, it might let's talk a little bit about just what our impressions were from this year's WWDC. Um, Mark, obviously, you're you know you're a close observer of Apple. Um, mm-hmm. What stood out to you uh, about WWDC this year? Um, I thought it was a pretty good WWDC, uh, pretty good year uh, for announcements. Um, you know, it was something where there hadn't been a ton of major leaks, and it seemed like it might be kind of a boring year for new features. But um, there was a decent amount of new stuff. Um, a lot of polish and fit and finish i think for um then the iphone um i especially like the changes for um uh for notifications do not mm. disturb uh and the time tracking uh stuff that it has um i thought that was really impressive uh or i, I thought that was i thought that was something that's sorely needed uh having the ability to say like um, get a notification from an app that sends you spammy notifications and right from within that be able to turn all of them off or um, be able to have uh, have have them group on your lock screen so it's less overwhelming, smarter and uh, more aggressive, um, do not disturb stuff. Um, things like that seem really nice. Things like uh, that I've wanted for a while. Absolutely. As someone who's been in not a hundred hours of meetings about notifications, but probably close to it for my job. I, <laughs> I can tell you that everybody's lost, even if you know exactly what you're doing, um, making sure that you can have the option to turn off a lot of different kind of, okay. People don't really, um, from the developer side, you didn't have the granular control to help have people get what they want when they want it. Um, it's kind of fire hose or nothing or, do the horrible LinkedIn approach where you ask someone to make 60 decisions right off the bat. So Mm. I'm super excited about the notifications from uh, a design standpoint, because you can have more options without Apple's controlling it. And the individual apps don't have to make quite as many decisions. And I hopefully won't have to do quite as many meetings where I try to tell (laughs) people you can't spam people all the time. It's yeah. It's also something where, um, I don't know. I didn't get this as much from the keynote, but um, seeing some people have installed the beta and have been testing it. Um, if you have like a calendar event or something, it might notice like, oh, this, you know, uh, this meeting seems important. Like it automatically we've uh, I've turned on do not disturb. So it doesn't so not to bother you during this thing or whatever and trying to be intelligent and a little more aggressive. It like maybe you shouldn't be checking your phone constantly right now. Um, hmm. Awesome. Uh, and so things brunch like that looks seem... important <laughs> brunch with mom seems like something your phone shouldn't be on for that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like maybe true. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so that's, uh, I think it's something where it's like encouraging you to spend more time away from your device or pick it up fewer times during the day. Mm-hmm. It, I think is like definitely good for everybody. Um, and, uh, along with like notifications and changes like that, then I think it allows it to be um, less overwhelming and less you, it demands less of your attention um, and can be smarter about when it is trying to get you to look at it. Hmm. 
I think the other sort of non-game related thing that they showed off that I'm most excited about is sort of the triumphant return of Workflow uh, as in the new form of the Shortcuts app. Like, oh yeah, I really cannot wait to play around with this, and I hope that it's retained at least most of the sort of power of the original Workflow app. You're going to have to explain it because 99% of people are not quite as into Mac productivity. <laughs> as or, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So, so workflow, uh, workflow was an app that I think it's won a, won a design award in the past. So we may have mentioned it. Uh, it was a, uh, an app that would let you create sort of shortcut workflows on your phone by kind of using these little tinker toy, uh, assembly line, um, sort of, uh, steps, you know, you could build a little, workflow to do something that you frequently or you know need to do often on your phone um, and it was really clever it worked within the restrictions of iOS but it gave you a lot of power so you could create a little uh, workflow to for example you know you go from the share sheet on a web page and automatically filter the web page for a certain type of content and then strip out an image and then upload it to Dropbox or something like that and then you could do that all automatically uh, without having to do a bunch of you know individual steps and it sped up a lot of things I did pretty frequently on my phone then it got bought by Apple and it didn't get completely abandoned, but it sat without a lot of significant updates for well over a year now. I think a couple of years. Um, Given the general um, kind of results uh, when Apple buys a product or a company with, you know, a product that I like, um, I was shocked that Workflow continued to see updates. Yeah. At all. Yeah, I, uh, oh, yeah. And uh, it was very, very uh, encouraging to me. And so it wasn't that huge of a surprise when I saw it appear as an OS level feature virtually unchanged as far as I could tell. This is, I think, the best possible outcome for that, because first of all, tying it in with Siri, something that they couldn't have done on their own, but it makes absolutely perfect sense. You know, if you build a useful little shortcut that does something useful on your phone, being able to trigger it from Siri is huge. And it also bridges a lot of the gap between... uh, you know, Siri is way behind being able to build your, so there's some little pain point for you where Siri doesn't do some useful thing you wish it did. This will hopefully make that possible without needing to be something like incredibly pervasive that every, that gets rolled out to everybody. You know, I, I want a, a Siri shortcut that logs something to a spreadsheet in, in my, on my phone or something, you know, they're, they're never going to build in Siri spreadsheet integration, but I could build my own custom one using this shortcut. So really, really excited about trying that. I hope it retains most of the really more advanced stuff, uh, from the workflow feature, but from the screenshots I've seen, I don't have the beta or anything yet, but, uh, from the screenshots I've seen, they at least have sections in the app for things like the scripting shortcuts. So I Mm -hmm. think it's retained most of the useful stuff. Mark, are you and Siri cool? <laughs> um, you know, I definitely could be a lot bigger of a fan of Siri. Uh, I think it has a lot of problems. Um, but uh, I, I'm definitely excited by this feature. Um, I think uh, this is something that can actually give it more extensibility and more usefulness to me, where... Um, the big the big thing it's going to come down to is just like there's a lot of ways where just Siri falls down at like trying to interpret what you say. The fact that I can just give it like this set of words, do this thing, I think that will probably make me less frustrated by it because it's mm-hmm. pretty good at understanding the words that I've said. Um, but it's usually very bad at knowing what to do with those. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's that's something where 
I, I could definitely see this being more useful than some things that Siri does and more useful than workflow was for me, where it's, it was something which seemed really cool, but always a little too fiddly for me to use it mm-hmm. for anything that I use day to day. Um, uh, where it's, it's like, I could see the power in it, but it ultimately came down to, I would rather just open this and do this on my Mac. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was usually what it would come down to. Um, rather than build the whole system for doing it myself, basically, with this weird Rube Goldberg machine. Um, but the fact that this can do lots of things, like you could set up a command to do something with all of your smart things. Like, that's really cool. Um, uh, and definitely something that I think people would want to be able to do and makes it actually pretty intuitive and like accessible to do, um, where it's not like, oh, I need to go like run this weird script thing. It's like you just talk at your phone and that feels a lot more natural than using the original workflow app. Um, yeah. So I think that could make a lot of these things much more broadly accessible in a way that workflow was never going to be. Yeah, I totally it's agree. I can definitely see like going to my mom's house and just coding this stuff for her in like one afternoon <laughs> and then being like, just ask Siri these words and their phone will do what you're supposed to. Like I, Tech support for parents, I feel like, is what Siri is for, and it does not do it well at all right now. No. So, like, that's my secret dream, is that I can just make some scripts that does the things the phone is supposed to do for my mom, and then the, the phone will magically do them for her, and I won't have to do them remotely over Skype. So you're going to make a Siri trigger that says, call Laura. And so when she says, hey, Siri, call Laura... It's going to actually run through like a script of questions like, have you tried turning it off? And again? <laughs> exactly. Are you sure you want update? to call Laura? <laughs> Is it an emergency? She seems busy. The only things that really seem um, uh, gaming related from this year's WWDC, uh, there were a couple of things that, that sort of struck me as like you know, important game-related news from WWDC. One was the improved AR kit. ARKit is getting better really, really fast. Um, and it's interesting because it's like, it's this thing that's constantly in the Apple news, and yet I never actually see it in apps yet. Like, there's not that much actual, you know, popular, useful apps using ARKit out there right now. Um, and yet Apple is clearly putting a lot of work into it. I was expecting this year's Apple Design Award games to be full of ARKit. Uh, if they had found one that fit their level of polish, it would have won. But I think they haven't had any game that's been good enough for their standards yet. Well, yeah. that is why I was very, very much expecting... Um, there, there's a game called uh, Euclidean Lands, and it's by that same developer that did Frost that won this year, this Konabi, or Kunabi brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're mm-hmm. already a winner in a past year for, uh, I want to say Black was the name of the game where yeah. you were. And so, uh, and they even had, they've had, they've had other games that were, I think in the app store that were featured or something or things like that. But I was really expecting, uh, that, that game to win this year. It feels kind of like a cross between Hitman go and a Rubik's cube. <laughs> if that makes sense, like you're, nope, it doesn't. or, uh, those go games where you're moving your character around on a grid, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to accomplish some sort of goal. Uh, it's that except crossed with maybe uh, what's the very popular 
iOS game where you're Monument Valley. That's the one. <laughs> the, <laughs> the yeah, thank you. The very popular game. iOS game. <laughs> um, so it's it's Monument Valley in 3D on a 3D object that you can move with um, AR kit. In, in yeah, in AR. Uh, and given how much in the past this set of awards has been used as a showcase for the latest technology and AR kit is that latest technology, I was very much expecting something to win and that was my pick. But there's not a single AR kit game on our list this year, which I think is really weird. Yeah, maybe it's too close to Monument Valley for their taste. At, at WWDC, they pretty much went up on stage and said, hey, we made an AR kit game and we're giving everybody the code to it. And it almost sort of felt like, see devs, this is how you do it. Come on, build some AR yeah. kit games. <laughs> yeah. Please, please, for the love of God, build some AR kit games. They did They did have the, the people from Lego come up and uh, be very Danish on stage and uh, <laughs> play yeah, with some virtual virtual minifigs. That uh, demo went on for very strange. too long. <laughs> it, was, it, it was at a perfect time. It was where um, I had some car trouble and it needed to be uh, towed back to towed back to the shop, uh, and the tow truck came right during that segment, and I didn't miss a thing. <laughs> and I changed my laundry, and I came back, and they were still demoing Lego, so. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. You don't actually have to, uh, you don't actually have to build anything anymore now. You just have to uh, stare at your phone. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I gotta say that, like, I don't, I mean, I certainly understand the appeal of, like, wow, my toy came to life. And that's, that's cool, right? But the the way that it's, that's implemented with that Lego thing, I just got to think, like, so I've built this incredibly intricate, very cool-looking Lego thing. Now I'm going to point my camera at it and pretend it's not there and play this game that's sort of vaguely related to it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's Someone's going to use AR Kit and Escape the Room game, and it's going to blow people's minds, and it's going to make a million dollars. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good point. That'd be a good uh, good use for it. The thing for the the Legos for me is it definitely felt very much just like, you've built this great Lego set. Now point the thing and it'll visualize another Lego set that your kid will now really want you to go buy. Yeah, that like, too. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> also, that Lego set that they had on stage, that's like a over $100 Lego set, no question. Oh, yeah. That's like a – I'm pretty sure I've seen that exact Lego set go for about 150 bucks. All the things that they, vis- the, that they had on stage and then visualized are like well over $100. Yeah. <laughs> So you're going to need this $100 Lego set in order to play with a picture of this $100 Lego set on your phone. Great. Okay. So uh, the other thing that that came out of uh, of WWDC this year that I think is a little bit less encouraging news um, is that they are depreciating or deprecating, which is the correct deprecating. word. Deprecating. Thank you. They are deprecating OpenGL in Mac OS in favor of Metal. Now, this isn't a huge surprise. OpenGL, so um, I'm not a developer, so take this with a grain of salt. But so OpenGL is a graphics framework that is used, it's, uh, widely used cross-platform open source. It's basically software that lets your software that you build or you know your game or whatever it is uh, interact with and get the best use out of your GPU, you know your your uh, your graphics processor in your computer, and um, practically everything uses OpenGL in some way or other. But Apple had been neglecting their implementation of OpenGL on the Mac and I think also on iOS for years, and it's widely been considered that like one of the big reasons, one of the big things that's been holding gaming on the Mac back is the crummy implementation of OpenGL that makes it hard to port 
games from other systems, makes it hard yeah. to get good performance out of those games once they've been ported. And Apple's solution to that was we aren't going to use OpenGL anymore. A few years ago, they said, hey, you know, our OpenGL is kind of bad, but we now got this new thing called Metal. And Metal is this new Apple-only graphics framework that you can use across iPhones, iPads, Macs, etc. And um, it is, by all accounts, good. It's probably more modern than OpenGL, but it is Apple-only. So the now that they're officially sort of retiring OpenGL and um, encouraging all developers to move their work over to Macs, for some folks, that won't make any difference. You know, if they've already started moving to Metal for the performance increase, great. But if you're a developer today and you have a game on Windows, for example, or Linux, or on consoles, and you want to port it to the Mac, um, OpenGL would have been your sort of first and probably only bet for a graphics framework to do that. And now that's going away. So unfortunately, I think this probably means, I mean, I don't want to sound too doom and gloom, but I think this probably means that the, the, you know, trickle of, uh, of video game ports to the Mac that we had already been getting, is probably going to slow down to a drip. Uh, you're really probably going to see a lot fewer games being ported to the Mac. If OpenGL is not available as an option, if they have to rewrite their graphics, uh, code entirely under metal in order to get it to run at all. Well, maybe it is a uh, push to get the video game engine developers like, um, I don't know, Unity and, and whatnot yeah. to build metal support in mm-hmm. at the... the yeah, Unity already has. I think, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I was pretty sure Unity has. I don't know about all the major engines, but I, I feel like if those... I don't know enough about development to really understand all the intricacies of these, but I think that if the engines that these are built on for ones that are using things like that. I think if those have good support for metal, then that makes it possible to do the, the porting. But I honestly don't know uh, the details of that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I've seen a lot of developers sort of wailing and gnashing their teeth about this because a lot of them use Max as their development platform, even if they're developing things that are targeting other other systems like right. Windows or consoles. And this right. makes it a lot harder for them in that way. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I'm not encouraged by this news. I, hopefully it's like a third party opportunity. Somebody's going to come in and, you know, have like a, a improved third party open GL implementation for the Mac or something to act as some kind of in between for this. But I am, I, I really would have preferred to see Apple just spend the money to have a world-class OpenGL implementation on their platform rather than yeah. just abandon it for years and years and then finally get rid of it without, you know, without an open-source cross-platform alternative. If any devs are out there listening and are wailing and gnashing their teeth, if you want to come and wail and gnash your teeth on our show and tell us why we're wrong, uh, we would love to hear it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the one thing that I could think of, though, that would be a difference where I think you it, there may be fewer ports for the Mac um, from Windows or console games. But I definitely think uh, with the various announcements at WWDC, we're going to see an increase of ports of games from iOS to the Mac. Um, hmm. with, Probably um, true. Yeah, with uh, both having... Like using the same engine for uh, using metal on both uh, the Mac and iPhone um, makes it a lot easier. But also then the the new 
uh, Marzipan was the code name for it, but the new uh, cross-platform support. Yeah, as far as I know, they didn't actually give it an official name yet. They're just sort of... I don't think so. Generally calling it like AppKit on macOS or something like that. Yeah, or or UIKit. Uh, I forget which one. I think AppKit's the one on Mac. No, you're Um, right. I mixed them up. But yeah, Um, but the... I think a lot of what it is um, is for the... It's something where there are a lot of hazy details. Um, really, it's like this is a very premature announcement. Um, mm-hmm. It's just something where it's it's a big enough change that developers would want to have a warning. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and letting people know, like, hey, this is something that you should have slated as, like, maybe this is what we're going to work on for that summer or whatever, uh, or this point down the road. Um, having that announced, uh, I think, is why they did it, just to be a little more i think it's a good trend that they've been like more open about things with developers Mm. um i think they've maybe been like a little too much jumping the gun on announcing some consumer products like homepod or uh (laughs) or the charger the air power yeah air power (laughs) still doesn't exist vapor power yeah um you know uh so it's it's something like things like that they i think maybe need to go back to more of their roots of uh, hold on to things until they're ready. But for things that involve developers and the community building things uh, for their platforms, then I think it's really good to see them doing, being a little more transparent about what they're doing and the timeline that these things are on. And I, it is definitely good that they're announcing, Hey, open rather than just sort of not updating OpenGL. You know, and saying, eh, yeah, it's still there. You can use it, but you should really use Metal. Having like an actual official, like this is something you should no longer be using if you can avoid it because we're we're definitely actually not updating it. It's not that we haven't gotten around to it yet. It's not coming. It's just not going to happen. That's probably better um, than uncertainty, but it's still not great. It's still not great news. So it's something to keep in mind. If, uh, if you are used to playing games on your Mac and you haven't already dual booted to windows, you know, get yourself a copy of windows because you'll have a lot more options and you'll get better performance. And eventually you'll probably be uh, finding that some of the games you might want to play on your Mac might not be available on, on your Mac. So, uh, so that's- and eventually you'll realize how great windows is and you'll just stop dual booting and stay right there on the windows <laughs> side, that's, use an uh, IE. And con- that's not even, that's not even IE anymore. What did they, yeah, they, edge. Just called it a, they re- edge. Edge. That's it. Yeah, It's so edgy. It is. <laughs> Man, that's been super confusing. This is a total side note, but like that's been super confusing for me in my work because I have to talk to people <laughs> on Windows all day, and they're like, "I'm like internet to open it in your web browser," and like I can't find Internet Explorer. I'm like, "Uh, it's been recently renamed to Edge. Do you still have an E somewhere? No, what is that? I've never heard of Edge. Where did this, how did this get on my computer? Like, oh man, so many interesting conversations. So. <laughs> Moving on, uh, games. What a great transition. Games, games, games. It is incredibly notable to me that we got about half an hour into the Apple Design Awards game podcast without mentioning the games, and it's because I was really mad when I saw the list this year. Not because it's the games didn't deserve it, but because I want an out-of-left-field weird thing I've never seen before. I want my uh, does not commute. I want my, like... I want my surprise game out of this year. And this year, no surprises. Not really so no surprises. Lots of uh, repeat winners. Again, 
deserving winners, but there wasn't the like AR kit surprise out of a field. There wasn't a weird, quirky, polished, unknown developer that sprung up to light. We were kind of, you know, I actually wrote three of these games as possibilities a week before they happened. Mm -hmm. I would kind of like to have been wrong. Yeah, of the games on the list here, let's see. uh, one. Just name them. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll go through the list. Um. So, f- uh, first winner is Florence. Actually, the first three games on the list are ones that we've previously covered on this show. So we won't be spending as much time talking about them as we did, obviously, on those dedicated episodes. There'll be links in the show notes if you want to check out our full episodes on Florence, Play Dead's Inside, and Alto's Odyssey. All three of those won this year, as well as two others, Frost and Oddmar, which are newer, and we'll be talking about those uh, probably in a little bit more detail. Um, do we want to just start by talking a little bit about Florence? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I just played this. Uh, I'd, I'd had it downloaded uh, for a while after hearing uh, from y'all and some other friends. Like Everyone was talking about how good this was, and I knew it would be up my alley, but just actually... Hadn't uh, gotten around to playing it until now. Um, and uh, for anyone who hasn't played this game, it's uh, really short. Um, like, it took like 45 minutes or something to play through. Um, but it's kind of like a sort of interactive graphic novel. There are like some very basic sort of puzzly bits. But um, it's uh, following this girl, Florence, um, through uh, her kind of struggling with being unsatisfied with her boring job and not, not in a great place in her life um, through this new relationship and her trying to get to like a better place and be um, like find more satisfaction in her life basically. Um, And it's really, really cutely done really well done with music uh, and animation um, and these charming graphics. Uh, And yeah, it's uh, it's just a very, sweet sort of storytelling game um if did anything i miss there or no no. it's also it's also a apple exclusive which Mm, is i think why (laughs) apple probably chose to feature it here it's one of the more high profile uh apple exclusive ios games that um that i mean Apple likes to feature things that either uh, are specifically exclusive to their platform or are doing something that is unique to their platform. Um, And this is exclusive. It's also by designer Ken Wong, who did Monument Valley. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. listeners of this show probably have heard of Monument Valley, and it's won Apple Design Awards in the past. So this is sort of a repeat winner. iOS royalty there. Yeah. It's a different development studio. This is called, this is from Mountains, which is uh, Ken Wong's new dev studio after having left, um, I can't remember the name of the developer who did um, uh, Monument Valley, but he left that, that group and sort of spun off on his own. Um, and it's published by Annapurna Interactive, who's published a lot of really, really good stuff over the last year. They're sort of new as a publisher, um, but they seem to have great tastes in what they uh, publish on iOS. Uh, didn't they publish the new um, Reigns as well? Annapurna? I don't know about that. Um, they well, did... I mean, they did Gora Gora. Uh, they did What Remains of Edith Finch. Yeah. Oh, I thought they did Reigns. No, that wasn't them then. Sorry, misremembering. But anyway, they're great. Uh, they're doing, or they're, you know, definitely Devolver choosing interesting Reigns. stuff. Um, so Florence is a great game. We did a whole episode on it, uh, uh, episode 145. Um, 
this is an ultra short game and uh, easy to see why Apple would have picked it. I think it's, it's, you know, it's beautiful. Um, it's also the soundtrack is probably the, the game soundtrack that I've listened to the most this year. I listen to a lot of game soundtracks. Um, this one's on Spotify, which helps. So if you've got Spotify, uh, it's on there, you can find it. And as a bit of a side note, something that I didn't know when I, when we did the Florence episode, um, and this will be, this will be me like letting my, um, my nerd show, but Kevin Penkin, the composer who did the soundtrack to this also did the soundtrack to my favorite anime of last year, um, <laughs> uh, made in abyss. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a good anime guys. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just want to say that you should check out that show. It's really, really good. And the soundtrack to it is excellent. As well. Reagan, uh, uncharacteristically talked me into, uh, watching made in abyss. And as someone who watched mm. one anime last year, it was my favorite anime of the year. <laughs> Good soundtrack, y'all. Anyway, um, Florence is awesome. I'm glad that it won. But it's also super not surprising, given that it is a uh, previous winner's newest game, first game since his last winning game. Um, And also, you know, a a high-profile iOS exclusive uh, short game. Very unique. It, you know, mechanics-wise, very... Gorgeous use of color, really great illustration. Mm -hmm. It was a slam dunk. Again, completely deserving. Not surprising. Yeah, um, it was it was the game that like uh, I even though I hadn't played it just from what I had seen of it, um, it was like the one thing where like thinking about what games might win. It was like almost certainly that one. I yeah. don't know anything else, <laughs> but that was that was my one like sure pick. Yeah, um, same here. If that had been a pool or something, my money would have been on Florence uh, and yeah. I would have done OK. So the next game on the list is Play Dead's Inside. Um if you listen to the show, you probably remember Inside. It was our game of the year of 2016 when it came out on uh, Windows exclusively at that time. I mean, it first came out on on you know for, on uh, Steam on Windows, uh, and then later has come out across a number of other platforms. So I uh, you can play it on Xbox One and PS4, and at some point during the year this year, it came out on iOS and TVOS. Yes, this is a game that won't just give you fun uh, platforming experiences and scare you, uh, it will mess you up for life uh, with the uh, violent death of a child protagonist every time you miss a jump uh, and with a horrifying ending that even summarizing some of the non-spoiler elements might disturb some of our younger listeners. So uh, it was definitely a surprise pick for me because it, Although it is a work of undeniable technical expertise and it is a really fun game and it is a really awesome um, iOS game, uh, you know, it's a port and it is a port of a two year old game. It's a port of a two year old game and it's kind of an adult, it's a game with some adult themes, um, you know. Nothing racy, but just some scary stuff. That said, uh, so- we've got some awful ports in the App Store before, and so and I I could barely play this game booted into you know dual booted into Windows on my Mac because of performance issues. So the fact that they got it working as well as it did on iOS, uh, the touch controls work pretty well. It you know it supports the controllers. It's got you know iCloud. It's got all the the things you should have as a port, but. I was just kind of impressed that it worked on the device at all. 
Yeah, kind of impressive, honest. actually. Uh, like a very technically impressive port. Um, also, they they describe it. So a- Apple, when they release their you know the results of these awards, um, each one gets a sort of a blurb from Apple, and you can kind of tell from each blurb like what about the game made Apple interested in it. And um, here they pretty much just said redesigned and optimized for iOS and tvOS, which doesn't say much. But what I guess it does say is that like they really put a lot of effort into making sure that this game didn't feel like a clunky port. You know, they, they gave it really good touch controls and um, redesigned in that I think they actually reworked a few of the puzzles a little bit to make it more uh, natural on iOS. Um, it's also on tvOS and, you know, who's publishing big games on tvOS these days? Um, probably this was the biggest uh, tvOS game port of of the year. So probably worth highlighting for, from Apple's perspective just for that reason. So it's a, it's a really accomplished port. For those who are curious what the touch controls actually are, you can play it with one finger. Jesus. Yeah, I was, I was just trying it out. Sorry. Got freaked out, got abducted by somebody. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what is this game? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So enjoy the game. Run past people trying to hit you with a car. It's, it's, throws you right in but um i want to sell people on inside a little bit first you know if you if you want to deep dive on it go back and listen to our episode on it it was episode 94 of the short game and it's one of my favorite games that we've covered um yeah it's uh if you've played their previous game limbo you know what to expect for the first two-thirds of the game more or less it's it's more interesting more well done than that previous game limbo but it is a sort of a puzzle platformer uh, and I will not so- spoil anything here, but I will say that it has the best third act of a video game that I can recall. And my jaw was on the floor the entire time. So this game is 100% worth playing. And particularly the last third or so of the game is astonishing. It's totally worth playing. And if iOS is your best platform to play it on, it seems like this is a good enough port to do. Go for it. Well, I think it's really notable that the iOS... Uh, download is it's a free to download seven yeah. bucks unlock so you can actually see if you like the touch controls you can see if um, having inside at the you know size of your device works for you before you go forward mm-hmm. uh, for me it was really great because I could try the touch controls before recording and and actually vouch for the port personally uh, without paying for it again but I I could see people really liking it on the iPad because it is you know a great, you know, put on your headphones, immersive time. If you want to have a little closer um, experience than you would. Um, I, I, I don't think it is a game that requires a controller like many other ports. So I'm, I'm surprised with it winning a design award because it doesn't feel designed for the iOS experience, but they did really make it work. It's not just a straight port. It's not like Bioshock, which was just didn't work at all. Yeah, a lot of things, you know, their their idea of a port is do the bare minimum to get it running and then put buttons on the screen that you can press. And mm, yeah, that would have been a tragedy for this game. Yeah. Oh, it wouldn't have you want to see everything that's yeah. going on in this dark, creepy scene. Yep. I've now played three versions of this game, though. Like, I've played the Windows version. I've played it on uh, PS4. And now, not all of it, but I've played some of the uh, the game on uh, on iOS. And really, there's not a bad platform for it. My preference would be PS4 probably, um, just because that's like a platform I really like. But if you have 
uh, an iOS device, it's free to get started with this game. You can play, I think it's the first whole like chapter or something. Um, so awesome. Um, the next game that won this year was another that I love, but is also not a huge surprise. Uh, Alto's Odyssey. Alto's Odyssey is the sequel to Alto's Adventure. We've talked about Alto's Adventure and also Alto's Odyssey on this show uh, probably innumerable times. First with me bragging about my score on Alto's Adventure and then <laughs> later with me... Uh, Staying suspiciously quiet about your score. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas Laura's, Laura has annihilated me at Alto's Odyssey. What 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 have you gotten? Yeah. I'm over five hundred thousand points Jeez. up on you. Oh my wow. god! Wow. Oh. <laughs> like by that's what you mean by annihilated. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really that's bad, guys. I can't handle it. It's really bad. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot more points. So, Alto's Odyssey is a snowboarding game, or in this case, it is the setting has moved sand to boarding. deserts. Yes, so sandboarding. Um. Because that's a thing that people do, sandboarding. Oh, absolutely. Or is it? I don't know anything. But I don't think sandboarding. Sports. Sports. I think it's, Sports this game things. is sort of the, or like this game and its and its prequel or, or you know, predecessor are like the perfect example of the Endless Runner. You know, they've really essentially perfected these games. We've talked about them on the show. I'll have links in the, in the show notes to past episodes where we've discussed the Alto games as well as Endless Runners generally. But they are, I think, like such polished wonderful if you've ever enjoyed playing an endless runner type of game this is i think as good as those get it's also i think a perfect example of a sequel uh it's sometimes video game sequels are hard to nail um and this one seemed to sort of take the um the approach of okay what works about the first game um all of the movement uh the characters the uh, the tricks, everything like that, all that works. Uh, okay, keep all of that exactly as it is. What is what gets a little stale in the first game? Uh, the areas, the um, the the pattern of the of the landmarks and things like that. Okay, well, let's replace it with something that's more fun and better. Um, where can we scale up and do better? Graphics. Okay, we can make the graphics more and more amazing. Uh, it can look really pretty, and to highlight that, we can give people a photo mode. Done. Shipped. It's beautiful. I still like looking back at the Apple uh, notes on these and trying to figure out, like, what were they trying to say by making this award? <laughs> and I Other think, than sorry for not giving you it the first time around. Yeah. Right. I think that's actually probably the biggest thing that this award in particular says is that, like, sorry we didn't give an award to Alto's Adventure. I don't know what else got awards that year, but... It was um, Vainglory, Does Not Commute, and Crossy Road, which okay. were actually all solid picks. I think they just had they had more student awards Wasn't that year. Wasn't Vainglory so. a MOBA? I don't yeah. remember Vainglory. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, that's one where it's like, I don't MOBAs know. MOBAs were really no, hot Nobody talks about Vainglory anymore. Oh, and Shadowmatic, anymore. because it was a 3D rotating yeah. game. Mm. It was much more design and not so much games. I mean, I think it did win Game of the Year that year. Yeah, it, it's interesting because mm. it's like, it, it, it's easy to understand why they wouldn't have given an award to it because while it was a beautiful game and also an iOS exclusive at the time, um, it was an endless runner and iOS was awash in endless runners at the time. Yeah. Um, and so it probably didn't stand out in the crowd to, you know, your average Apple, uh, whoever it is that gives out these awards. 
But yeah, this seems sort of like an apology for not giving an award to that. Like it's the it's the Academy Award for the for the lesser film to the great director kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but they they note in this one this the reasons that or sort of reasons that they gave it this award: touch and haptics and metal optimized art. So first of all, touch and haptics. Yes, this has great touch controls. So did the original. It has great haptics, which is something that the original optimized about halfway through its sort of life as a game because haptics didn't exist when the original Alto's uh, Alto's Adventure came out. Um, But this does haptics really, really well. Um, But I'm really puzzled by the phrase metal optimized art. Like, yes, it's using metal to do its graphics, but it's not like generating these. These are hand-drawn graphics or hand-created. I interpreted that as a lot of the, um, there's a lot more layers. Uh, there mm. are birds, there are background elements. There's a lot more weather patterns. They they have a lot more layers to the background, uh, than that I think is what they're, you know, it's that the richness of the depth I think is what the meadow optimized art is because it's, yeah. you know, you're going through multiple landscapes. And so each landscape has its own thing. I, I'm guessing that is, Uh, It's the complexity of the procedurally generated art Mm. that they're awarding it to. Yeah, I'm like, I'm interested there, though, because like some of the other things we'll be talking about, the next game on our list is Frost. That game is metal native art like that is art that is entirely generated with computation, whereas this is, I think, mostly hand illustrated. So, yes, they're definitely using metal to make that as smooth and fluid, uh, you know, as possible. But I just think it's an interesting way of putting it. They really, I feel like kind of, I, it, it felt to me a little bit like they were stretching like, Hey, 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 this game uses metal. Look how nice it looks when really what, what they should be praising is these guys did a great job drawing this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But then it wouldn't be an Apple design award. It would just be a design award. True. And- true. It very much just feels like a a big refinement on the original to me, Um, which I think is good because the original was, I think, one of the best iOS games just for like games for the iPhone that really like is really great to play, like quick to uh, quick to pick up, really fun. And definitely like, as you said, like the kind of ideal endless runner. Um, I think it's something where... um, and definitely, like, adds new uh, modes and types of gameplay that are, like, make it a little more fresh. So I I'm, I definitely was excited to have uh, this update to it. Yeah. And I continue to play this more than any other game on my iPhone. Since yeah. <laughs> Alto, the, uh, Alto's Adventure came out, like, I've logged a lot of hours on Alto. Um, less on Odyssey, just, I think, because, you know, I, I kind of you know, I, I kind of conquered that, that world with, uh, with Alto's adventure. And now the the new game has brought me back into it, but it's, it's at a little bit of a slower pace, which is how I explain my lower score than Laura's. <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse, but it's a great, great game. And if you love, uh, that sort of game, I just, it just sort of feels like such a, this is a, this is an iOS ass game. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So the next game on the list, it was new to me. I had not heard of this until the awards came out. Um, which is probably my fault because it is from the developer of a past game that got a good amount of buzz. Uh, that's Frost by the by Kunabi Brother, uh, which is the name of the development studio that created Black. Um, we covered Black on a previous yeah. uh, Design Awards episode. Continuing the theme of repeat winners. Yeah, yeah. So this was a game that I 
really enjoyed. It was a fast play. Um, I, I like you, I had not heard of it. Um, but after downloading it and, and booting it up, I was able to, you know, beat it in pretty much one afternoon. Um, it's a series of puzzles that maybe puzzles is a little bit wrong to describe exactly what you're doing. There's, um, it's what it reminds me most of is those sandbox toy type games where, you know, you're, what you're really dealing with is a particle system that, Mm. you know, has particles of different kinds and you can touch and swipe on screen to, uh, cause them to flow and swirl and move around in different ways. Um, I don't know if anybody played any of those games where it's like a sandbox where you're, there's like sand pouring in and you're (laughs) trying to direct it. It really reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, it was super clear why Apple selected it because I, you know, I've played a lot of games on iOS and I've played games on other platforms as well. I've never played a game that had this elaborate of a swirly particle system, you know, because all the graphics are just pure particle effects yeah, swirling little, around. Little points of light kind of flocking together or or sort of flowing around. And I like the I like the way that you manipulate them because when you sort of you sort of draw paths on the screen, which kind of create currents, um, you know that that some of the particles will flow through and others won't. Uh, so the different colors of particles behave differently, and it's it's really nice. It has a kind of a fun flow to it. I was very impressed by the use of color because we've seen a lot mm. of these games that are kind of a dark color scheme and then a really bright neon. Uh, I mean. Limelight, for example, a lot of Mm. games that have this um, really high contrast look to them. And what I appreciated the most was the currents are just a slightly darker shade. You already think, you know, it's almost a black background, but somehow the current is darker. There's like, they they do really subtle changes of color to help you know what's going on. It didn't take me long to do any of these puzzles. It's a couple, you know, 30 seconds, you can clear things, but it's very clear where your currents are, um, where things are flowing and how things are behaving without it ever having to break from a very monocolor palette. Like there's that dark background and then there's these bright, bright color streams and there's these circles and that's all you have really. It's really hard to do that without having to hint at people. Like those currents must have taken a long time to get right. Um, and they do. It's clear. And there's there's no tutorialization or anything in this. It's you know it's wordless from start to finish. Um, it's it's like a really nice example of that sort of very simple. Limelight is a great point of comparison. By the way, by the uh, we've covered Limelight on this show before. Limelight was great and has an iOS port now since the last time we talked about it. Um, actually, I don't think the, the iOS port was out when we when we covered it. Was it? We did not, and it is better on iOS than it is on laptop yeah that game is so good it feels like it should have been an ios release from the start i mean if, if they were giving out uh, awards for ports if it had started on ios it would have won a design award yeah beautiful i game. i think yeah yeah but um uh, frost did kind of remind me of that and um in a good way it's a little shorter uh than limelight um but yeah, like it's just 55 levels yeah so uh, and each level is really short. I got stuck on a few, yeah. but I never spent more than, say, five minutes on one. Yeah. Um, so beautiful little game. I yeah. I do think it's kind of funny. The press kit for the game uh, kind of felt like it was a fishing for an Apple Design Awards. Like the, the text <laughs> that, as part of their announcement, it's also, I think, in their description on the App Store, feels very much like, you know, 
hello, Apple, uh, uh, Apple PR. We would love to be featured on the App Store and perhaps given an award, please. They're, they're we text- did hard things with metal. Please give us awards. Yeah, I, I mean, not to take anything away from Kunabi Brother, who is clear, who who are clearly doing great work here and creating something that was really, really fun to play. But like, of their three games, two are ADA winners, and one has been an editor's choice on the App Store. Yeah, so like, I think they have a. They know how to they, do. They know what they're doing. They know how to play that game. And so their uh, their text said something like, uh, "Here, I've got the quote." So it's. Um, Currently, no CPU in any consumer device provides the performance needed for calculating the complex swarming behaviors that you can experience in Frost. By utilizing the iOS GPU technology metal to the fullest, we multiplied the computing power and made this possible, made possible the real-time simulation of swarms and flocks consisting of thousands of individuals on an iPhone or iPad. Uh, I I mean, like, it, it almost feels like that's something that they would, like, facts to their developer relations guy and be like hey could you maybe pass this on to the to the ada picking team it is a truly Uh, impressive use of particles i hey great particles i've never seen such incredible flocking behavior on a consumer device (laughs) or on my on any of my many non-consumer uh pro devices (laughs) such as my cray supercomputer which i use exclusively to play flocking simulations Hey, I mean, I've seen this listed in two categories. People who are like, this is an excellent meditation app because mm. of the pretty colors and the pretty music. Like, people have talked about this as kind of a meditation thing, and other people have talked about it as a tech demo. And there are people who want a really pretty game to show off their phone, and other people just want a zen, chill experience. Yeah. And that's the only two people I've really, like, They those two categories of folks love this game. Mm. Yeah. meditative tech demo pretending to be a puzzle game <laughs> i mean like we're the short game is not necessarily in the meditative tech demo demographic so it's not surprising we haven't covered this game yeah. it's good for meditating like a vc yeah uh, <laughs> I, know, it's, I thought it, i thought it was a really uh pretty fun um having like simple puzzles and they are really pretty and it definitely is uh having like played around with other like like Shane was mentioning like sand box things like just being able to like the what it can do with all the particle simulation actually is really impressive and just like it is kind of just pretty to look at so yeah. I, I I had fun with it yeah I, I definitely recommend it and I uh, I think if you are the sort of person who likes these sort of very polished uh, sort of wordless simplistic puzzles um this is one of the better ones on iOS. You know, we've covered a number of things that sort of fall into, I guess, this sort of genre or whatever before, but this is one of the better ones on iOS. And it's also uh, an example of a sort of a dwindling, uh, I guess, area of iOS development, which is developing a full-priced pay-once iOS game. You know, that, and all of these are, um, actually. You know, there's not a single one of these on here that is a, yeah. uh, that is a, like in-app purchase based thing with the sort of exception sort of inside. Yeah. Not really. Yeah, that's it's not an like, in-app purchase. Yeah. It's more it's of like demo. the demo kind of, kind of thing, which is, I think still just fine by me. So it's nice. It's nice to see that Apple has continued to sort of put their weight behind, um, games that are using that model sort of, I think of it as sort of the classic model of selling an iOS game and not the sort of more popular these days model of, um, a game that is primarily based around like 
gachapon mechanics and in-app purchases and in-app currencies, et cetera, et cetera. And I will say every port should do the high price, you know, free to download high price thing because it is so hard to know if ports are any good. Mm. And the Playdead developers trusted that it was good enough to make people say seven bucks after they played the start. But so many times ports just fail instantly. So I am totally cool with an app purchase in that situation. Yeah, same here. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, this is a little off topic, but if I'm not mistaken, there was some things announced at WWDC this year. They'll make it uh, easier, more seamless for devs to do sort of that trial style uh, development where you have yeah. a um, kind of a free download that you then convert to the full version. It's they What they did is they're officially sanctioning and making it possible to do... Um, as a $0 in-app purchase, like a two-week trial, basically, um, uh-huh. so that you can uh, have something that is, there are a lot of problems with it um, for things like uh doesn't allow you to buy um, these for, it doesn't work well for having uh, volume purchases of, for like productivity stuff mainly would be the problem or um, family sharing in-app purchases aren't shared between those things like that, where it's, um, not, it doesn't work th- and it doesn't show, it shows it as it's a free app and it might have like a $50 in-app purchase <laughs> where it's just like to actually have it work. So it's not without flaws, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. I've, I've never really understood why that's been something that Apple has dragged their heels on so much, particularly when essentially like you could already kind of get around it with things like what Playdead is doing with, uh, with inside by making the full game or full app an in-app purchase. Um, I think it's, I guess just that they didn't really have a way to do timed trials. Like here's the full thing for X amount of time for free. And then you have to pay to get it for the rest of time or something. I don't know. Um, the 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 rationale I think behind um, behind it is they didn't want to have. I think Playdead's approach is they was always kind of sanctioned, but they didn't want to have apps where you would download it and it just didn't do anything, mm. um, where you had to pay money to then unlock it, um, and I think that was a problem. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's it's something where they're finding a way to work around that now. Yeah. Well, it's good to see that happening anyway. Hopefully that'll hopefully that'll make its way to games and uh in ways that'll you know, be useful to people. Cuz for example, if you make a multiplayer focused game, uh, uh Playdead's model here uh would not work. You know, you wouldn't be able to say, you know, here you can play 10 matches for free uh and then you have to pay. It would be, you know, you have to unlock the full game with an in-app purchase and that doesn't work so well if your game is oriented around multiplayer or something like that so hopefully hopefully that'll uh, open things up for more types of trials and demos on the app store Hmm. um i guess the last game on our list was the biggest surprise for me out of these because it's wild how little time there was between the game's release and it winning an apple design award oddmar came out april 19th of 2018 (laughs) And then it won an Apple Design Award in June. So it is not surprising when you find know that the studio worked on this for four years and had tons of demos. So like I guarantee, like the second, like the pedigree alone, I was like, it's going to win unless it completely blows. Yeah. So it, it is weird, but like 
if you follow iOS gaming really heavily, like they've been talking about this game for literally four years. That's true. Yeah. And it's also the same developers that did Leo's Fortune, which we've covered on this show before. And I think also previously won an Apple yeah, Design that Award. Was, this was like, we're going to do a Viking game next. And then four years of silence. <laughs> Well, um, so what did you guys think of it? Because like my first impressions of it were not good. And then I came to like it quite a bit. So I don't know. How, what did you guys think of it if you played it? I've only played enough to uh, try playing the first boss, the big troll. Um, what it honestly, the, the look of it, the cartoony art um, and the cutscenes and the uh, narration and all of it, I think, has an incredible level of polish. So it's it's definitely worthy of the kind of Apple Design Award. It doesn't wow me with like incredible platforming innovations so much. Like I don't feel like it's a, a platformer that like breaks the mold. But what it is is it's an extremely refined example of the platformer genre it really reminds me of uh the rayman hmm. uh my comparison as well yeah. it reminds me a lot of that it's um so it put me off at first and this is partly probably my it, problems and not the games um the art style is incredibly detailed beautifully illustrated and doesn't doesn't look good to me like it's it's beautiful or like extremely well executed and it's this sort of like I don't know. It's this style of like illustration of like cutesy but slightly gross looking Viking dude that I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me on an artistic level. I just thought like, I don't like how this looks. Um, it's a little 2D plus for people trying to narrow it down where yeah. it, it is 2D art style, but there is shading. And a lot of shading. A lot of like There's highlights. a lot of shading. And for some people, it's like it feels too much like old flash games. I mean, this is so much higher quality than that, but for some people it like ticks that internal brain. Rayman has the same kind of thing going on in yeah. many ways. So yeah. Also it has a lot of cutscenes, <laughs> which um, when I'm, you know, trying to sh- check something out like this for the show, like opening, opening the cutesy Viking platformer. And then before you ever get to jump, you have, like well over 10 minutes of narration about a story of a Viking whose uh, village doesn't like him very much because he doesn't do a lot of Viking stuff like going out and, you know, I don't know, pillaging or whatever. He kind of just leeches off all of his, uh, all of his friends. And then uh, when they decide that they don't like him anymore and they're about to kick him out of the village, he meets, I guess like a, fairy or something who gives him magic mushrooms that let him do some kind of weird jumping thing. There's a lot of like like, grows mushrooms out of his feet and it lets him jump a lot. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of like sort of vague drug references in this in every single level. There's a thing where you, you find this like weird cloud of smoke that you inhale and go into a dream state. And that there's like a mini level inside. Like there's a lot of sort of like vague, (laughs) vague drug references. I'm into it. (laughs) <laughs> right on, bro. Very clean, but vague drug references. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's dream very world. Alice He's in not high. He's asleep. It's um, I don't know. It's it's an extraordinarily well executed game that didn't really do much for me. Um, I I I, I like, I, it grew on me a little bit as it went, but like particularly at the start, it's these incredibly linear platforming levels where like 
the the touch controls are phenomenal. It's got absolutely great touch controls. If you played Leo's Fortune, this is like this, but a little less floaty, and you have a sword. Like it's it's really great touch controls for a platformer. So playing it is objectively fun, but the uh, the level design is like a whole lot of hallways with. I mean, maybe this gets a little better. I didn't play, I only played about an hour and a half. So just up to the first boss, really. And I understand maybe I'm not doing it, the, the really giving it full credit here. But the the level design was beautiful, but ultimately kind of boring for me. Um, and so for platformers, like if it's not, if it's not do if it's not building interesting challenges for me, like, I don't know, like it's this guy just, you know, it's just jumping like it. it I don't know. I, I think it's a gorgeous game. And if you like platformers on iOS, this is still probably one of the best ones out there. And it's probably worth checking out because this might be my personal issues with it. It's gotten amazing reviews like touch yeah, arcade. I will say it does get spike. You know, it, it does after like level three ish get a lot harder, which I think not a lot, but you know, it, it, it I think you said you're right. Like people have been, this has been a game people have, fawning over because you don't get this polish on iOS anymore. Yeah. Like you don't. Yeah. You don't get a platformer this good. It would go straight to Switch. Um and it would cost three times as much. People would gladly pay 15 bucks for it. So like people are falling over themselves because like this quality of game just it, it feels like a throwback. Yeah, I like I wonder why they decided to launch this on on iOS for $5 when they probably could have launched the game in fundamentally the exact same form on a different platform. I mean, this is this is doesn't say anything nice or good about iOS as a platform for games these days, but like they could have launched this game for three times as much on Switch, sold half as many copies and made more money and then later brought it to iOS and they would have made more money. Um I'm kind of surprised they decided to launch it as they did. They must just be a really, like, they must really just love iOS, which is great. Well, they designed it, again, they've been working on this game for four years, so they probably had been like, it's always an iOS game. Switch came out relatively recently. They are probably almost done with the game. Yeah, true. But still, I would have been like, cool, hold on to it, extend a couple more months, do the Switch port, and... By the time you go on mobile, you'll make a ton of money. That said, they got much more attention launching on iOS than they would have on Switch. Yeah, they definitely got um, a lot of attention from the various outlets that cover iOS games. You know, and touch, like I mentioned, Touch Arcade's uh, review of it was effusive. They loved this game. I don't always agree with their takes, but like they definitely had some good points. It's a really, really good good game from pretty much every perspective. I, I I think something about its level design didn't quite work for me, but I can't say that's going to be the case for most people. It seems like I'm sort of in the minority there. People love this game. So if you take a look at the, uh, at the trailer for it on the app store and it looks like it'd be fun to you, it probably will be. Give it a try. It's a really neat game. And I definitely see why it won an ADA, even though the, the, the team that picks the awards, whoever it is in Apple PR, or whatever, uh, probably didn't have that long with it. I wonder if they had an advanced copy. They might have. I, I will say that a uh, fun fact from one of the articles about it, uh, they were praising that there's like an hour and a half of original music in this game. And apparently the composition uses the nickel harpa, an archaic 15th century Swedish instrument 
with resonators, strings, and wooden keys. So, <laughs> okay. So uh, that's uh, I that's, that, that's up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> All the Nicka Harpa Nickel yeah. Harpa groupies are definitely downloading yeah, it now. Gotta gotta play it for the Nickel Harpa. Of course. <laughs> So obviously the Apple Design Awards aren't exclusively about games. Other stuff won as well. We don't really have time to talk about them. I will just mention them briefly so that if they sound like they might be interesting to you. Uh, by the way, if you go in the Apple App Store on your iPhone or iPad and do a search for Apple Design Awards, there's a little feature article that lists all of these, gives links to download all of them. Um, but uh, Agenda One, it's a sort of a note-taking calendar app. Uh, it sounds neat. I don't, not really in the market for one, so I haven't tried it personally. It sounds pretty cool. Uh, Bandanimal, which is a music creation toy for kids that uh, toy is probably the wrong word for it, but it's an app that that has toy like functions and lets kids create music using cute animal illustrations. Looks really cute. Reminds me a little bit of some of the Tokaboka stuff that I've seen. Um, but a kind of might a try it on my style. baby. Yeah, maybe give it give it a try. Um, Calzy three, which looks like some kind of advanced calculator that has features that I don't understand. And uh, I, trans I translate Converse. Uh, I think this probably won because it's got an actually useful iOS or, I mean, uh, Apple Watch app. This is a <laughs> two-way uh, conversation translator app that you can use on your phone or watch that apparently will let you – that will recognize people's voices and translate in real time and let you carry on a conversation. I may give this a try on my upcoming trip to, uh, to Italy this, uh, this, this, um, this September. Uh, and then the final thing that won was Triton sponge. I think I mentioned this earlier, the, uh, the app that will let the you blood measuring, app. take photos of rags and sponges in a hospital operating room and estimate the blood loss of a patient using machine learning and, uh, and like image recognition, which sounds amazing, but also not the kind of thing that uh, I could imagine anybody like rushing out to download unless you, you, you if, if this is an app for you, you already know about it. <laughs> yeah, this this is something where it's like you health kit. Yeah, it's like this is I I love it and also I really hate it. <laughs> like like it seems like a great medical tool, but I also like hate thinking about using this <laughs> just like great <laughs> i really needed to know just how much just how much was held in these blood rags that i have lying around i know crazy but really yeah. an interesting thing you know you can see why apple great would apps for vampires like ah yes so as uh, as we've been doing for the last several episodes we're going to close things out by talking about what's been making us happy this week uh so mark what's been making you happy this week um, I've really been enjoying a new album, uh, from Nico Case, uh, called Hell On is the album. Um, and it, uh, it's her first album in something like five years. Um, but I've, I've really been enjoying that. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's just been really fun to have a new album from an artist that I really like, um. I think uh, some of the ones that were released as singles, Hell On, Curse of the I-5 Corridor, uh, and um, Bad Luck are all pretty fun. So, um, Bad Luck especially. Uh, so, I really recommend listening to that. 
I, I see that pop up on my Spotify and I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and listen to it yet. When a new album comes out from an artist that, you know, that hasn't put out an album in a while, but I know I really like, I always sort of want to make time to sit down and like right. listen to the whole thing in one go. Haven't had a chance to do that with this yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I did that recently with the new Ockerville River album. Um, and it's good. I, I don't know what I, I, it is. I don't know what I was expecting when I sat down to listen to a, uh, a song called famous tracheotomies, but it wasn't a listing of celebrity tracheotomies, <laughs> which that song basically is just a catalog of various <laughs> celebrities who've had tracheotomies and the effect that it had on their lives and careers. Yes. It's a wonderful song. Definitely give that a listen. If you, uh, yeah, I, I love that album. It was so good. I just saw them live, um, two days ago. They're fantastic. Jealous. Um, so Shane, what's making you happy this week? Uh, well, I gotta say, um, it is super, super hot in Houston right now. Just uncomfortably, horribly hot, um, made worse by the fact that I'm podcasting and, uh, here in my office when I record, I have to turn off the, uh, I have to turn off the air conditioning. Oh, Otherwise no. it comes through loud and clear on my microphone. Yeah. I'm sorry to do that to uh, you, Shane. So the thing that has been making me happiest uh, has been uh, going down to a spot near my house called the Truck Yard and getting their frozen cocktails. And they have just – I've not been to this place before, but it's really family-friendly, so I can bring my baby and just sort of like plop him down, and he finds lots of people to like bother other than me. He loves the frozen cocktails too. He does not love the frozen cocktails, but he does love crawling around while I drink key lime pie-flavored tequila – cocktails and uh frozen trash can punch cocktails and all sorts of delicious frozen sweet wonderful things and they also have um they also have food trucks there's a food truck pavilion there so uh what is what is getting me through this week has been frozen cocktails helping me beat the heat all right. Uh Laura, what has been making you happy this week? Mine's also food related. I found a very simple carnitas recipe that's just carni it's just pork shoulder water and salt <laughs> and you just kind of cook it on the stove um you cook it on the stove for a while and then all of the fat in the pork shoulder goes into the water and then all the water evaporates and then it just fries and then you don't do anything like <laughs> it's one pot like hour and a half the water goes away and then you just fry it for an hour and 10 minutes and then suddenly you have magical beautiful perfect carnitas with no seasoning, it is the laziest thing in the world. Apparently, this recipe has been on online for a while, and like the people who follow food blogs are like, "Oh, it's the famous Diane Kennedy Food Fifty Two Carnitas," and I was like, <laughs> "I don't care." Like, I just didn't have any like. I, I did kind of a spice um, rapture where I like, threw out all the out of date spices. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, I have nothing left." <laughs> And I purchased this of meat. It was going to go bad. And I was like, Cardita's recipe, no, no seasoning. <laughs> and they yeah. were like, of course, why don't you use the master recipe? I've already given it to two people. Um, it made perfect meat. And I didn't have to do anything to it. God, I love Carnitas. You need to send me that recipe. If possible, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that everyone yeah, can enjoy the Carnitas. Yeah, it's called like put water in a pot and like cook it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of expected it to be much more difficult than that. So that's very good to hear. I thought it was going to be super hard. Um, I don't have a grill. So we've just been having um, breakfast tacos and then tacos and then carnitas for several days. 
Nobody is complaining. Nice. Well, what's making me happy this week was uh, yesterday we got out to the theater. Jamie and I are big horror movie fans. And uh, so we try to go out to any sort of big name horror movie that's that comes out in theaters. And uh, the biggest one right now uh, that has got a lot of buzz after, I think, Cannes, I think it pre- pre- premiered at Cannes Film Festival, uh, was uh, Hereditary. Um, it's a weird case of a mismatch between a film and its audience, I think, because Hereditary was a great horror movie, but it's also a very difficult film. It's a very challenging film, I have to say, like, you know, steal yourself before you go to watch it. And not just because it's scary. A lot of people are saying, oh, this is the scariest movie of the last whatever. I I think people who are saying this is the scariest horror film of the last decade or whatever are just people who have not really been um, connected with horror films for the last decade and suddenly watched this movie. It's a it's a scary ish movie, but really it's more deeply distressing and disturbing for reasons that are different from your typical, like this is not a paranormal activity or whatever, but nobody told that to the kids in the audience at the, at the showing that I went to, there were a bunch of teens who had clearly gone there with their teen dates and were watching this movie that I can say that I could mostly compare to being like a much more disturbing Babadook, like not the kind of, of, yeah. Parenthood, right? Themes of parenthood, uh, family uh, distress, um, uh, horrible things happening to children. It's a truly distressing movie. A really, really good horror movie that I'll probably be thinking about and talking about for a while, and I won't spoil anything. If you can, see it without seeing the trailer. There's some stuff in the trailer that I thought was a little bit spoilery, although it's mostly misdirection. Uh, But it's a great movie. I highly recommend, uh, I can't say that it's making me happy this week, but it's making me distressed and it's making me think. And uh, <laughs> so I highly recommend the movie uh, Hereditary. If you can see it in theaters, do, because it's the kind of movie that um, if I hadn't seen it in theaters, I probably would have turned it off halfway through from being so distressed by it. And I'm really glad I made it through to the end, which was a really, really interesting ending. So that's what's making me sort of happy this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, this is our fifth Apple Design Awards episode. We have been covering the Apple Design Awards as a podcast since 2014. Can you believe it? So thank you for joining us on this one. If you uh, like our coverage of this, we've got a back catalog of episodes you can go back and check out. Uh, thank you so much, Mark, for joining us on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. It's so exciting to finally get the the originator of the person in lotus position emoji, <laughs> the emoji father himself coming onto the show. If if our listeners haven't checked out Mark's podcast, uh, please do. And the place to start would be uh, the amazing series on sort of the whole process of how emojis come to be. Uh, I'll try to have a link to that in the show notes. It's it's the best. Um, your show uh, just concluded in February, right? Or the, the most recent yep, season the, of it. The third season ended in February. Um, and working on some more stuff. Uh, not sure when it'll be out, but um, there's more more episodes to come. That's great to hear. Yeah, it's the kind of show that, like, uh, if you have people in your life who don't like it when you put on a tech show, 
this is the kind of show that you can listen to together. Uh, it tells yeah. stories. It's incredibly well produced. It's a really impressive show. So I 100% recommend it. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Mark. Um, so if you want to find our show on the internet, you can find us at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find our contact form. Uh, and also you can find us on Twitter at underscore short game. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Mark, apart from your podcast itself, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at MC Bramhill. Um, and uh, then, yeah, that's probably the best place for people to, to go. Yeah. And Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? On Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.